This is the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now, from Studio B or wherever the Saints and Pelicans might be, here's Brianna Nowlin and Cassie Calvert. Welcome to this Friday edition of Black and Blue Report. You're on with Cassie Calvert. And stepping in for Bree today is our favorite producer, Daniel Salerson. Are you just saying that because I'm on mic with you right now? <laughs> you know, and you're our only producer. Can so. we pinpoint also why Bree's not here and um, yeah, how so let's upset talk about we are? This. Bree went to Belize without us, um, didn't invite us, so that was rude. Yeah. I've been watching her Snapchats, mm-hmm. her Instagram. She's having a blast, so I hope she's listening to this and we're super bitter. Here. Yeah. She's taking naps on hammocks and <laughs> going on hikes and swimming and we're and here working very we hard and producing the podcast. So slaving away. I don't know if we're gonna let her back after this. Although, to be fair, I would not want to go out of town during the NCAA tournament. I don't want to go too. out of the country, I should say. I, that's like my favorite time of year to watch all those games. And I'm going to be on my couch this weekend just watching basketball. And I'm really happy about it. I feel like I'd have an anxiety on vacation. Like you said, if we, yeah. I wasn't near TV during the NCAA tournament. Even on my honeymoon a few years ago, it was when the NFL season just started. And I got there and I turned on the TV. And my wife's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I have to see what's going on. Can't be away from your phone or TV during these like crucial sports times of the year. You have to plan your vacations during that like dead time. Oh, exactly. In my mind. I'm like the worst. I would be on my phone the whole time. Yeah, me too. I'm still on my phone no matter what. And you have to know like how your bracket's doing and everything. Which mine, I can probably just cut in half. The left side can go in the garbage can. The right <laughs> side is sort of okay because after Arizona last night, the left side is completely done. I put all my hopes on Arizona after Duke lost because my best friend from home went to Arizona so like I'm like okay well I'm just gonna bandwagon her I'm gonna root for them the rest of the way and then they lost too so I'm just out of luck <laughs> I think it's more of a missed opportunity for them because the final four was in Phoenix yeah it exactly. could have been a, a, home a home game advantage. yeah for both games absolutely that would have been an incredible atmosphere so we'll see what happens there the game we talked about this earlier I'm really excited for is UCLA Kentucky tonight mm-hmm. So we did a little video on Pelicans.com with Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis talking a little smack there. Yeah. Two, obviously, like, historically great programs. This is going to be a good game. Oh, such a good game. And I feel like this could easily be a Final Four matchup. It easily can be a championship matchup. Mm-hmm. But then it's on one side of the bracket. And you still have UNC to deal with if whoever wins this game. But, yeah, I was watching that video, too. And you can just tell that both of them are very confident about their team, as they should. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Drew has his brother playing the game, too. So you know how that but. The problem is that they're going to be playing the game of their own during it. So yeah. I'm curious to see how that plays out when they're on the team plane. They're able to watch it when they get on there. Yeah, their game should wrap up after the UCLA-Kentucky games already started, but they should be able to catch a fair yeah. amount of it, I would assume. So UCLA obviously has 11 national championships. It's crazy, but Kentucky is second with eight. UCLA hasn't won since 1995, so this could be the year if they can get past this Kentucky team. It could be. I'm also curious. I'm just... I don't know about you, but this whole LeVar Ball thing mm-hmm. is kind of, I don't know if it's tainted the way I look at UCLA, but I'm just ready for all him to go away for a little bit. And people are kind of playing into it too much, I feel like, but I do, I feel for the kid because I feel like it's taking away from his yeah. athletic ability. Although I do think some people have heard of him now that mm-hmm. had never heard of him before. Right. So on the flip side, it is bringing kind of an awareness to this UCLA yeah. team. What I do like is I'm glad the LeVar Ball thinks so highly of his kids, which you should as a dad, mm-hmm. but at the same time. You look at Lonzo, as you mentioned, and he seems pretty quiet. He doesn't seem like he's that as loud as his dad. And so I think he just wants to play. And I just worry that once he gets to the next level, if he's going to have a hard time adjusting, knowing that daddy's right around the corner or daddy's doing all this stuff. But 
But right now, I mean, he's playing good ball, and I'm sure any team would be lucky to have him. Yeah, it seems like he's able to tune him out. And he said his dad has always been like this, so he's used to it. But like you said, what happens when he gets the, if he when he gets the NBA, which we're assuming is looking very good yeah. at this point? Is he going to be like this when he's playing for an NBA team in the coach's ear all the time? Right. That like that's not going to hang. Talking about he's going to be as great as Magic Johnson or a combination <laughs> of Steph Curry, Magic Johnson, all this stuff, and it's like you haven't even played step foot on an NBA court yet. He's doing great at UCLA, but the NBA is such a different animal that it is. I don't know how he'll adjust, but. Nonetheless, tonight should be a very fun night, and I'm glad that it's the second game. That way, Pelicans, Rockets, then go home and watch Mm -hmm. the rest of that game. Yeah, definitely glad that game is on later tonight. So that is an 839 Central tip. So Kentucky looking to avenge that loss earlier this season. UCLA came in on their home court and beat them at home in Kentucky. They don't like that. No, they'll remember that. Um, It's just like the Rockets, I think, will remember last Friday Mm -hmm. when they came into the Smoothie King Center and got pummeled by the Pelicans. I think they'll remember that tonight as well. So let's talk about the Pelicans. Improved offense over the last five or six games for sure. I think the Pelicans are at their number eight in the offensive rating over per 100 possessions over the last six games. But Denver's at one, Rockets at four, and these are the two teams they're heading into this weekend. This is, and I've said this so many times this year. People are probably like, "How many times are you going to say this is the most important road trip of the year or a home, important home stretch?" But this is it. And I'll tell you right now, this is it because one, if you don't beat Denver on Sunday. Forget about it. You'll be four mm-hmm. back from them. You're already four back from them. You'll be five back with them with 10 to go. And it's just so crucial because you're four games back with 11 to go. It was the same two years ago when the Pelicans made the playoffs, but you had to jump only one team two years mm-hmm. ago. You have to jump three now. And But they're playing their best ball right now, which gives me a little bit of hope. But they still haven't played well on the road. So I want to see this circulate on the road. And the way Cousins played last game, the way they were able to get him the ball, if that's... The Marcus Cousins we get on a night in and night out basis, this team's gonna be scary because he was dominant down low. If Marcus Soul couldn't even stop him, who's gonna stop him on Houston? And it's other guys that are stepping up as well. Jordan Crawford, Etwan Moore. Every night we're seeing four or five double figure scores, maybe even six. Mm-hmm. If you get that on a night in and night out basis, you have a chance to win every one of these games. And Boogie said that yesterday after practice that he and AD are both used to having triple teams, double teams, and now they're sometimes getting one-on-ones because when both of them on the floor, you can't double team both of them, especially when you've said guys like Jordan Crawford, Eton Moore, Solomon Hill are putting up good offensive games. They can't triple team these guys. It's pick your poison. It's basically what it is. If you're going to double DeMarcus and AD's on the floor with you, AD's got a one-on-one matchup. If you double both of them or one of the two, someone's going to be open on the perimeter. And if you start making these shots, which the Pelicans have started making, I mean, what are you going to do? And so I would be worried about their ability, the Rockets' ability to shoot threes, but the Pelicans are also playing some of their best defense right mm-hmm. now. And I think that was the story of the game in December when the Rockets shot the made the NBA record for made threes in a game. But I'm not so worried about that anymore. Yeah, and I think a lot of their also the problem was the Pelicans are turning the ball over a lot, which yeah. led to a lot of fast break points, mm-hmm. a lot of live ball turnovers, what they call it, which led to a ton of points for the other team. And they've been better at taking care of the ball. And also the defensive stops, like you said, the Pelicans are not taking the ball. The Pelicans are taking the ball out of the hoop and not through, through the net. So you, they're able to run a little bit more and able to do the pace that they want. So, yeah, it's just everything's been clicking so far. And the defense has never, I think, been the problem. I know the perimeter defense has been a problem at times, but I feel like this team is playing its best ball. And DeMarcus said it yesterday that they have to continue to play perfect basketball if they want a chance to play off. Yeah, in March, the Pelicans are at a number two defensive rating. Both the Warriors and Pelicans only allowing 99.2 points per 100 possessions. That's incredible. That'd be up there in the conversation yep. with the Warriors. 
it's also nice to have if Cousins and Davis are not on the floor at the same time, you have one all-star in the court at all times. Yeah. So it's been nice. It's a nice uh, problem for not problem, but nice for Gentry to have that kind of leeway. So we haven't, the Pelicans have not been able to beat the Rockets with Cousins on the floor yet. How do you think he changes this matchup though? I think you have to go to him as much as you did last game against the Memphis Grizzlies, because I feel like the game before that against the Timberwolves, they were having a little bit of trouble getting Marcus the ball. Mm -hmm. But when you're able to get the ball downloaded to Marcus, again, it forces double teams, but there's no one to stop him on Houston. They have Nene and Capella who are, you know, are going to try to get under his skin, Mm -hmm. try to get him to get a technical foul, try to get him in foul trouble early. But I think you have to go to DeMarcus early and kind of set the tone. If you start doing that, then you might be able to, you know, continue to do that with DeMarcus all game long. So I think you attack early, get off to a good start, and kind of basically the same start you did against last Friday, but with DeMarcus on the court. And I feel like you should be in good shape. And crucial, like you said, for him to not get in that early foul trouble, mm-hmm. keep his temper calm, and stay in the game that way. He's a target when he's out there. And it's just more just because if you get him those two fouls, he's out for the rest of the quarter or the rest of the half. And so that plays a huge role with the Pelicans. So... I feel like if you were able to keep him out of foul trouble, he's aggressive on the court and gets off to a good start. I think the Pelicans should be in good shape tonight. I agree. So wrapping up last night's NCAA tournament games, going back to that for a minute, we did have some other teammates teams squaring off against mm-hmm. each other. Jordan Crawford's 11 seed Xavier team topped Solomon Hill's two seed Arizona, and that busted everyone's bracket. Oh, yeah. Night. Again, that left side. I don't know. There could be an 11 seed in the final four, an eight seed, a seven. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But we were talking about Arizona had the best chance of getting home court in the final four with the final four being in Phoenix. And you just never know anymore. Like filling out these brackets is like trying to win the lottery. It's just the chances are so uh, hard to get a perfect bracket or get even your final four right. But Arizona, prime chance to make it to the final four. And just Xavier's always a good team, though. They always make long stretches in the in the tournament, but they've never been to the final four. I don't think in a very long time. So it's just, it was a weird night last night. I think it was the only real blowout last night was number one seed, Kansas yeah. over four seed Purdue. And that's check Diallo's team versus Eton Moore. So I'm sure there was some smack talk via text yeah. maybe because checks out with the Greensboro swarm right now. So Kansas routed Purdue thir- 98 to 66 last night. That was the fourth uh, largest win in a sweet 16 game in NCAA tournament history. Wow, so that's crazy. Kansas came ready to play and, it is nice to see, though, there's so many players on the Pelicans that have their guy, their team yeah. in the NCAA tournament. So you'll see one of them get eliminated tonight between UCLA and Kentucky. But you still have Kansas in there. I know Solomon Hill lost his Arizona one, but I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that we're missing here. So we just have Xavier, Jordan Crawford, Kansas, and then UCLA or Kentucky after tonight. So We'll see what happens. Hopefully they make it through the weekend. We'll see. <laughs> All right, so coming up on today's show, I was able to chat with Travaris Cadet, who recently re-signed with the New Orleans Saints. And, of course, the Alvin Gentry Show was last night on the flagship station, 99.5 WRNO. So we'll play some of that as well. Sean Kelly's most extensive interview with head coach Alvin Gentry. So why don't we start with head coach Alvin Gentry, then we'll transition to Travars Cadet. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. 
The future is bright for your New Orleans Pelicans with the addition of all-star DeMarcus Cousins along with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. The time is now to become a Pelican season ticket holder. Those locking in their seats by Friday, March 31st will take advantage of the price freeze and also receive a food and beverage gift card worth up to $600. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Coming off a pretty good homestand, aren't you, Coach? Uh, yeah, we played well. You know, did a good job and uh, thought that we did everything necessary and played well enough to win, and that's the big thing. Did you feel like you had to win them all, Coach? Uh, yeah, we felt like all the home games you're going to have to win. And, you know, it's tough winning on the road out here, but we got to find a way to do that also. Coach, what was consistent for your team during the homestand? And what was kind of up and down a little bit? I thought defensively we were, were very consistent. You know, although they made shots uh, in a couple of the games, you know, they were contested shots. And we always say over the long haul, if you can just have contested shots, uh, you eventually find a way to win the game. Coach, I know we've touched on this a little bit, but give me the full answer here. Why is the offense better here in the last five to six games? Well, uh, you know, number one, it's a, it's a very simple answer. We've made shots. Uh, but I think we've also made shots because we've had better spacing. The pace of the game has been better. We've made better decisions, and we've also kept our turnovers down, which in turn gives us an opportunity to have more chances to score, and it also has a, gives us an opportunity to set our defense. You, uh, you're not able to say enough, I think, about Solomon Hill. I know that you've, you've praised his play here and the adjustments he's made recently. Uh, he's been great. You know, he's been great, and uh, even on the nights where he doesn't score – a lot for us. He's still an integral part of, of every win that we have because he's always guarding the toughest defender uh, on the perimeter. Uh, he does a great job of being into that particular guy. And even on the nights where they score, uh, it's still really hard earned points. And, and I think anything, anytime we can get him to do that, uh, he helps our team tremendously. With him going to the rim more, Coach, is he a naturally going to the rim or is that, is that a lot of effort for him to get there? No, I think he's natural. You know, I think the one thing that he's decided that he doesn't have to settle for the three-point shots, and when when teams are closing out to him hard, he does have the ability to drive it to the basket. So I think he's shown that, and I think he's been very good at it. Cousins and uh, Davis certainly, as we've talked, draw a lot of attention and a lot of contact. Does that put free throws at even more of a premium for you, Coach, seeing as you might get into the bonus sooner in different quarters? Well, I think so. I think both of those guys, you know, I'm – 
not mistaken, but I think DeMarcus lead the league in free throw shooting. I think AD is second or third. So I know they're first and second as far as drawing fouls. So, you know, I think anytime you have that kind of situation where you got two guys that can get you fouls and get you to the line, it puts you in the bonus much earlier, as you said. Fans, with regard to Cousins and Davis, fans have been hearing us on the radio or David and those guys on the television broadcast talking about high-low a lot more. Can you help fans understand what that is and how does that get set up, especially with those two guys? Yeah, I think what you have is that you have two big guys that's very capable inside players but also willing passes. So, uh, you know, you can run a lot of different sets, but basically what we try to do is to get one of the guys high, one of them low on the block, uh, swing the ball high and see if we can dump it inside for a post-up. And then if not, we get the ball moving. But, you know, the high-low game all depends on how they're playing defense, but it involves one of the guys low and then one of the guys at the foul line trying to get him the basketball. Coach, I know when it comes to the second unit, we talk a lot about Jordan Crawford, and rightfully so. Maybe I don't do a good enough job of talking up Etuan Moore and how steady he's been, Coach. And, and how, how has that is, has been a help, and, and why has he been as consistent as he has? Well, I think, uh, you know, we, we take him for granted, too. I mean, I think sometimes because he's just this really consistent player, and you know what you're going to get night in and night out. And he's been great for us. He's done a lot of good things. We've asked him to go out of tough perimeter defenders. Uh, he's made some big shots for us. He's just played good basketball. And I think sometimes when a guy's that consistent in play, you know, night in and night out, you're getting about the same thing. Sometimes we have a tendency to take that kind of player for granted just a little bit. Certainly so. Coach, another thing about your offense here during the stretch where you've won five of six is the fast break numbers are on the rise again. What's the direct correlation to other parts of the game that's resulted in such a rise well I think Tim has done a much better job of pushing the basketball and we've uh, alleviated some of the pressure of Drew being that primary ball handler all the time that he's in there and so we like the fact that Drew is out now and when we're initiating our offense we're going through him and I think he's been very very good in those situations you know that, I think that's one of the reasons we've been successful let's talk about your backcourt for a moment Tim Frazier obviously starting the last couple if you were to just look at the box score, you'd say, well, where's the production there? <laughs> I think there's more to the story, isn't there? Uh, there's a lot more to the story. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think you can always read stats and, 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 and know the value of a guy on your team. Uh, it's a lot like Solomon's. You know, Solomon uh, doesn't have to have great numbers on the stat sheet to be really good. Drew doesn't have to have great numbers on the stat sheet. But I do think those guys are pushing the ball more. We're having more opportunities. Uh, we're attacking the basket more, and I think that's why our numbers are up. Coach, on the other side of that backcourt is Drew Holiday, and certainly, obviously, things are different when he's quote-unquote off the ball. When you look at the kind of shots that he gets when he's the point guard versus when he's the two guard, per se, how are they different? Well, you know, first of all, I, I, they're different in that, you know, usually as an initiator, you're doing it out of a screening roll set or something like that. As a, as a two-guard or a facilitator, we're trying to get him quick drop shots on pin downs and things like that. So uh, I just think that with him not handling the ball as much, there are some quick pin downs, quick screening rolls that we run for him where all of a sudden I think he's one-on-one -on -one with the big guy because of the switch situation, and I like our chances when that happens. I can't help but bring up the playoff chase right now, Coach. And, like, you know, last night I, I get bummed out seeing that Cleveland falls to Denver and, and what that does to the standings and whatnot. Look, it's exhilarating to have this conversation this time of year. 
But at the same time, like last night, you know, I want to go, you know, throw the pillows off the couch or something. How are, how are you riding through this right now? Well, you know, I told our guys is that at the end of the day, the team that's in that spot is Denver, and we played them three times. So, you know, we can still control our own destiny from that standpoint. But, uh, you know, we put ourselves in a tough situation. You know, obviously some of it is due to injuries. Some of it is due to uh, our inconsistencies. But what we have to do, and I told them, we have to approach every game like it's the seventh game of the playoffs, and we got to see if we take care of business, what happened from there. We, we don't need to look at the standings or anything like that because what is going to happen is that it's going to be what it is. So let's just concentrate on playing hard and executing on our end and see if that will take care of itself. You've been doing this a long time. Do you still, though, look back at a loss earlier in the season and say, man, that game is might be the difference here? Or was there a point, and when was it that you – figured out how to leave that behind you well I think you can still leave it behind you in that most of those games involve one or two plays Mm -hmm. which I totally disagree with you know I think there's 15 plays that could be made in the game that would have changed the faith of the whole game so my whole deal is like hey let's just play let's do the best we can uh let's do everything we can to win games and then we'll see what where that puts us have you been in this position before as a head coach right now like say four out with 11 to play oh yeah definitely definitely in phoenix we did it a few times so uh you still have to just play uh and 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 even if you end up not making it you got to make make sure that you play well enough and your team has enough confidence that they feel that at the end of the year they're better than they were two weeks ago describe for me the craziest of those situations oh i'd have to say it was in phoenix you know last game of the year we had to play utah and if we win that game, we're in the playoffs, and we lose it, we're, we're not, and just couldn't quite get over the hump. That's a possession-by-possession possession situation, isn't it? Very much so, very much so. Okay, let's circle back to the teams that you're going to see this weekend. I guess specifically, let's start with Houston tomorrow night. Uh, lopsided games going both ways. Well, how do you think this one goes here, Coach? Well, they won the first two lopsided. Let's hope it's our chance to win the next two. So uh, they're a great basketball team. Uh, James Harden is as good an offensive player that's ever walked on the court. And uh, he does a great job of controlling the game, be it up-tempo, walk it up, slow, whatever. He's, he, he's just done a great job with that. And they've got a ton of three-point shooters, as we well know. Uh, we, I think they made uh, 24 or 25 the first time we played them and 20 the second time. So we've got to do a good job of keeping them off the three-point line. And then you just can't turn the ball over against these guys. They're such a good team capitalizing on your mistakes that you just can't afford to do it. Coach, I know it's a different in a playoff situation where you're seeing a team maybe as many as seven times in a row. But even during the regular season, this will be the fourth meeting already between these two teams. And with your relationship with Mike D'Antoni, everybody knows everything. How do you find an edge? Uh, it's not really an edge. I mean, we run the same plays. We call them the same thing. Uh, so it's just about execution, really. And, and as I said, I think we've been doing a great job of executing, but so have these guys from Houston. They're very, very good at what they do. That was Sean Kelly with head coach Alvin Gentry on yesterday's Alvin Gentry show on the flagship station for the Pelicans. News Talk 99.5 WRNO. That was taped on the team plane as the team was heading to Houston. Up next, we'll turn our attention to the Saints. I'll chat with Travaris Cadet, who recently re-signed with the New Orleans Saints. Stay with us. This is the Black and Blue Report.
Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Well, when I heard I was going to interview Travaris Cadet, I was a little hesitant, not because of who he is, but because of where he went to school. As a proud alum of Georgia Southern University, Mr. Cadet torched my Eagles a couple times when he was at Appalachian State, and he joins me now. Travaris, I come in peace. I won't mess with you. I appreciate you joining me today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yep, not a problem. First off, you were a uh, unrestricted free agent this offseason and mulled some offers from other teams. What what made you want to stay with the Saints? Um, this is my home, and I felt like I had unfinished business here in New Orleans. Um, I was looking at our team, looking at the situation. And I felt like it was a perfect fit uh, for my style of play and me being familiar with this system. And me knowing the guys and me building – you know, a close relationship with my teammates. I didn't want to let them down and go any elsewhere. I'm thankful for all the offers I got from other teams, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think I made the right decision for me and my family. What's the unfinished business? Is it more just you want a, a championship here in New Orleans? Yes, sir. I feel like, you know, um, this is the first place that gave me an opportunity to, you know, to live my dream. And uh, they've been loyal every step of the way. And I feel like, you know, would be a greater feeling than, you know, finishing off a season with a winning season and holding up the Lombardi Trophy. I think that would mean a lot to our team, a lot to our staff, and a lot to the city and the Warriors. How close do you feel like this team is? Uh, they've added some defensive pieces this offseason, but you've already got that high-powered offense with number nine there at quarterback and you and Mark Ingram in the backfield. How close are you all, you think? I think we're real close. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Everything is earned in this league. I mean, it's hard to win a game in this league. But I feel like, you know, before success, you got to go through adversity. I feel like we've been faced with adversity for the past, you know, couple of years. You've had a lot of new faces. And really trying to get back to the winning tradition that um, the New Orleans Saints have built, you know, in past years before I even got there. But I feel like we're right there, man. I feel like we got a lot of team guys. I feel like we don't have any individuals anymore. I feel like you know, the guy next to us, our left and our right, willing to die for the guy next to him. So I feel like, you know, our coaching staff, I feel like we see that. And I feel like the team as a whole, I feel like we feel the same way. And, you know, you got to go back to the drawing board and put the work in and, you know, everything else speaks for itself. I know the season didn't go your, your way as far as 7-9 and nine finish, but it seemed like they ended on a good stretch there. Um, do you feel like this team was starting to come together later on in the season? Yes, I feel like, you know, you know, during the hard times, we've gotten closer. You know, I feel like 
the, our work ethic and not our talent is going to get us to the big dance. I feel like if you look at the teams that are that are successful in this league, you know they have a a, a togetherness about themselves. No matter whether it's a good time or it's a bad time, I feel like you know the more and more we stay together during the bad times, I think during the good times it'll be even more easier because I feel like you know you're you're defined as a man in this world when you face with adversity and how you respond. I feel like we respond well to that adversity, and I feel like it's our time now. Well, I feel like as you individually uh, probably had one of your better seasons here in the NFL, a career-high four receiving touchdowns last year with the Saints. Any reason behind it? Do you feel like it was your best season since joining the league? Uh, no, not really. You know, I mean, number-wise, you know, I feel like I feel like I haven't had my best season yet. You know, to be to be honest, completely honest, and that was one of the big reasons why I really, really wanted to come back because, like I said, New Orleans was the first team to give me opportunities to play in this league. You know what I mean? I've, you know, I was blessed. I come up under Drew Brees, guys like Darren Sproles, Pierre Thomas, who showed me the right way. And you know, we have unfinished business, not just for me, but I feel like as, us as a New Orleans State as a whole, I feel like we have so much potential there. But I feel like we got to go out there and just put everything together, you know, do the extras, do the stuff that people don't see us do. I feel like you're truly defined when no eyes are not watching. You know what I mean? That's how you get that competitive edge. And, like, you know, times like now, like I just got done from training, you know, I'm about to go ahead into my second workout. I feel like that's those are the small things that's going to give us over that hump that we need to get over. So you said it wasn't your best season in your career. Then what do you? What are you trying to improve on? What What didn't go right that you think you want to get better at uh, before next season starts? I mean, I want to be a one-dimension player. I feel like I can run a ball as well as I can, I can catch it. And, you know, take more better advantage of the mismatches that we do get. And, you know, whether it's special teams running down on kickoff or covering the punt, blocking the punt, whatever it may be, you know, to draw momentum on our side. But I feel like I can be more complete in all those areas, and not just a man, not a man of many things, you know what I mean, but a master of all things. So I feel like, I feel like, you know, my best season has yet to come, but that's why I'm working right now. You know, I'm just trying to carve, you know, really perfect my craft and, and really show the city and the world is what I really can do. You mentioned some of the guys you worked with, Darren Sproles, Pierre Thomas, and also Drew Brees. How much has Brees helped you throughout your career as far as maybe since you have uh, uh, caught balls from him out of the backfield, what have you learned from number nine? I mean, most informed, first and foremost, I learned his work ethic. You know, the guy works like he hasn't accomplished anything. I feel like when you got a true leader that's willing to come to work every day and, and sacrifice and endure the pain, I feel like you, you, he demands, you know, your best. You know what I'm saying? He's always putting his best foot forward, and it's going to continue to make the team put their best foot forward. You know, I think if we ever saw him slack, and I think the team was slack, and he's a great leader. You know, I, mean, I saw them same qualities in Darren Strolls and Pierre Thomas. They didn't waste any days. You know, they never complained. They worked through adversity, even when they were hurt. You know, even when times were painful, I seen those guys work. And I know guys also gave me a lot of knowledge about the game, you know, running routes, you know, reading holes, reading defenses, reading certain keys and key indicators to, to attack a defense's weakness. And uh, I feel like, you know, it's a blessing because a lot of guys really don't have those guys to look up to to show them the right way. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, in this league, I feel like it's all about winning. Regardless of how the stats may look, of how, how fancy 
a game may look or a play may look, you know, we're in the business of winning. I feel like we haven't done that, but I feel like as a team, we have the ability to do that and a mindset to do that. And I feel like, you know, action speaks for itself, you know, but, you know, I was blessed to come up under those guys. What about Mark Ingram, your running mate? What have you learned from him in the past few years that you played with him? I mean, we learn from each other, to be honest. Yeah. You know, we're always testing each other. we always battle against each other. This is this is a competitive edge he brings to the game, man, day in and day out. You should see him on Sunday, man. You should see him on Sunday. How he prepares during the week, man. He's actually down to Florida training as well. So, you know, man, he's had a lot of success in his career and in college for a reason. You know, he works. I feel like the work ethic, your mindset will, will, will open doors for you that you can only imagine. But, you know, he's a, a competitive guy as well. But, you know, like I said before, we all push each other to the limits. Is this the role you envisioned when entering the league? You were a dual-threat quarterback coming out of high school, played at App State. Did you want to be a running back when you entered the NFL, or was it I'll play any position type of scenario when joining the league? I mean, actually, you know, I never envisioned myself playing running back at all. You know, I thought maybe I would have been like maybe of a quarterback or a receiver, but I'm in one training camp, I want to say going into my 20th season, all our running backs had got hurt. You know, I think Devin Moore had, you know, he hurt his leg. Cedric Baker had a concussion. Rogers had a concussion. And we looked back, and I had broke my thumb like two practices before and whatnot, and I knew I couldn't catch. And our running back coach, Coach Moore, and Coach Moore, and our head coach, Coach Moore, was like, man, put cadet back there. They knew I was versatile. And I had a great day of practice. And, you know, first game of the season, I ran for over 100 yards, you know, not even knowing what I was doing. I just needed to go hard. And, you know, those other positions that I already played, like the slot, receiver, punt, kick, return, I was already kind of doing those type of things. But I built my – I carved me an inch at running back. And, you know, pretty much, you know, some teams I, you know, some teams I interviewed with, they told me that, you know, you want to find one position to stick, you know, to, stick to. You know, it don't work like that in the NFL. You know what I mean? But I came to a team that loved versatile players, which is the New Orleans Saints. So, I just – you know, I just roll with it, you know, whatever they ask me to play. I mean, they want me to play corner and nickel, I could do that too. So, I mean, I'm just blessed with that type of ability. You can I do it. I guess. You can do it all. As I, as I mentioned, watching you at Appalachian State, I, I realize you could do it all uh, when you were there beating my Georgia Southern Eagles uh, back in the day. But uh, speaking of your versatility, uh, special teams as well. You did some in college, as you mentioned, have been doing it here. What do you like most about the special teams, whether it's returning kicks um, do you have a preference? Do you like that more than the running back, or are you just more just being on the field? Just more being on the field. I think, uh, you know, lately I've developed a love for blocking punts and rushing a punter, you know, because I feel like if you can block a punt, which is rare, it can change the game within a heartbeat. And you already, you're already on the other side of the field, so it puts the offense in a, in a great position to score. And with this having a number one offense year in and year out, I think, you can guarantee six right there. But, I mean, always returning, even though, you know, on kickoff return, they've, they've messed with it so much throughout the league, trying to take it out the game. And I think it's kind of an unfair advantage. You know, it's a disadvantage for the kickoff return team. It's an advantage for the kickoff team because, you know, when you catch the ball, they're already right there. So it makes the kickoff return term team work a little bit harder. But I feel like, the momentum changer, I feel like, would be ours to be on the side of, you know, getting a big, big return and blocking a punt. So, I mean, I already have a, a favorite one, but I would say those two. 
Yeah, and uh, the Saints added Ted Ginn, who's been known for returning a punter, too. Are you excited to work with him uh, on special teams? Oh, definitely. He's a game-changer. You know what I mean? His, his, his film speaks for itself. The guy's fast. He's a game-changer. Game-changing speed. You know, he makes game-changing plays. And I'm pretty sure everybody in the locker room is going to be excited to have him. And it seems like he has a hungry mentality. And, you know, it was good. He's been, he's been to the big dance. You know, he's been to the Super Bowl. So I think that adds another two ball caliber player to the locker room. He can like mold, you know, some of, help some of the guys who haven't been there, you know, show them the way to get there, you know, because them small things like that do matter. I know it's probably something small, small like well, it really doesn't matter, you know, but it do matter at the end of the day. Small things do matter. Well, it seems like you're hungry as well, and we're also excited to have you back uh, with the Saints next season. That's Travaris Cadet. Travaris, I really appreciate the time. Great conversation today, and I look forward to seeing you when you suit up for the black and gold next year. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man, and good luck to your Georgia Southern Eagles, man. Oh, man, we're going to need it. Rough season last year. We're gonna, we are gonna have to bounce back a little bit. I appreciate it, man. All right, man. App State. All right. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. Staying informed before and after a storm is critical. Hello, I'm Dave Mason, Entergy lineman and safety specialist. Sign up for text alerts by downloading the free Entergy app. If the power goes out, we'll keep you informed with outage maps and alerts. You can also visit EntergyStormCenter.com where you can learn how we are preparing for the storm and how you can prepare. That's EntergyStormCenter.com. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. We're going to wrap things up on this Friday edition of Black and Blue Report. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's show. We thank you for sticking around with us. And when we're back on Monday, we'll wrap up a weekend of Pelicans basketball, preview that Jazz game Monday night, and... I heard that Jarius, our friend, is going to be doing some fun interviews this afternoon for next week's show. A lot of cool guests going to be from wide ranges of different sports. So we're really excited about um, all those that will be. And, of course, always fun to have JJ in here. He's always a hoot, that is for sure. So you have that to look forward to next week. Yeah, and uh, he's already signed the door. But if you look at our door here in Studio B, he has the biggest signature. I think he's taking up half the door. <laughs> so, But that just kind of describes JJ, though. He's like the John Hancock on the Declaration of Independence. You want to be so big, oh, you yeah. read it without your glasses. He deserves it, though. Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, there should be some good interviews with him. And uh, hopefully we're talking about some Pelicans wins. And if they can get, even if they split tonight and Sunday, you get Sunday's game, then you're still in the playoff hunt come Monday, which is a very tough back-to-back when you're going from Denver. Because the Denver's airport is about 45 minutes away from the Pepsi Center. That's a lot of travel. Then you're going to Utah. You're going still higher altitude and elevation. And then you're the second game of a TNT doubleheader. So anyone watching or listening to the game here in New Orleans, send me a bunch of Starbucks because I'm going to need it for Monday night. Oh, absolutely. And like the altitude really affects players. Mm-hmm. The training staff always says they like to have guys in the day before to get a practice in right. altitude before. And that's really going to be possible 
with having two games back to back like that. Yeah, you don't have any time to adjust. You have the Pelicans will have tomorrow in Denver. I don't know if they'll even practice though, based on having that back to back. So yeah. it's always a tough adjustment going there. But you're only now you're playing more than one game. You're playing two there, so it's going to be a challenge. But this team's playing so well right now. You you have to like their odds as far as going to each game, knowing that they could beat any one of these teams on this trip. And they know that they have to. And Denver yeah. especially is crucial on Sunday night. If you don't win that, the playoff chances are pretty much gone right now. ESPN NBA puts the chances at 1.2%, 538, 1%. Basketball reference, 0.8%. So there's still a chance, and it is a slightly higher than it was this time last week. Yeah, and I think the backs against their wall is kind of the mentality they're having right now, but maybe that's kind of what they needed right now, knowing that every game is a must win, kind of like a playoff series, trying to clinch a playoff berth, that maybe this kind of is the reason why this team is rolling right now, is that they know what they're up against and what their odds are. And, you know, they can string. They went eight and three in the last 11, two years ago to get in the playoffs. And the OKC Thunder went four and seven. So can be done. It's just if you get, even if you go two and one, that'd be a great road trip. Mm -hmm. Then you have to win all four on this homestand. So lots of factors. But again, Sunday is the huge one. But if you can get tonight as well, you should be in pretty good shape. They're going to take it one game at a time. Exactly. Back on Monday to recap those games. Absolutely. Should be fun. Thanks, Cassie. Thank you, Daniel, for stepping in for Bree, and we're so bitter that she's in Belize. She's not coming back. We're not allowing her back. <laughs> we'll continue to slave away here in New Orleans. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.